Hi, this is Ashley. And Maggie. And you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. We do. In fact, did you hear my enunciation? I was. I'm trying to get better at my consonants. 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 Okay. Thank you. And just like words in general, I guess. (laughs) Apparently, that's great practice. A podcast is a is a perfect place for pronunciations. We did both double check that we are recording into the right microphones. Which apologies for last episode. I had the wrong (laughs) microphone. Which. Hopefully you didn't notice, and if you did, uh, so sad. Sorry. Well, you know what? It's uh, this whole pandemic. We're just learn. Everybody's learning to go with the flow a little bit more. Oh yeah. Uh, I was just telling Maggie I was a little late. I had to go run an errand that was supposed to take ten minutes, and it took over an hour. I was going to pick up a new phone. Very exciting, and they mm-hmm. had given it to somebody else. So it's all good now. Luckily, I had. I had time uh, to hang out with my buddy Greg for <laughs> over an hour, oh but but we're here now. Very excited, drinking wine. What are you drinking? I'm drinking water. Maggie, <laughs> the point of this podcast. So, um, I uh, I don't have an excuse. Oh. I just finished. I just finished yoga, and I wanted to hydrate before diving off into the deep end will you be drinking at all yes yes okay. i will i, I will, think you go um, you second. go second so you've got time yes okay good oh, that's also why i was eating doritos just before we started recording because i knew i haven't eaten since lunch i needed to get something in my stomach before a little something <laughs> something you know to, to to catch all the booze i get it yeah, which fun fact, um, our buddy Steve, who recorded I, with us last year. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> so I love going out drinking with him. Not that like that's a thing, but I guess when we would have office not happy anymore. hours, not anymore. But when we would have office happy hours and we would know in advance that we're going out drinking, he during lunchtime he'd be like, gotta get a little budly together, because a budly <laughs> apparently is the Swiss word for the pouch of food that you get in your stomach before drinking so that you don't get super drunk. (laughs) And as is tradition with Steve, you have to drink when he mentions Switzerland bees or podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I think we've successfully gotten two of those. We're on a podcast. We mentioned Switzerland drink in honor of Steve. Exactly. (laughs) So that was me getting my boodly together uh, with the Doritos. Very good. I I should have done that. Although my mom gave me some like cooked apples as a snack done in my work day <laughs> you are just living the life in upstate new york i mean i am and i'm not but i am <laughs> i mean i have it pretty well made i do sleep in a twin bed in your parents house I, I do my work in a dining room oh my god my mother today was doing a garage sale with like a bunch of like leftover teacher stuff and like stuff that i was getting rid of which is all well and good but every time like a mailman comes to the door, the dogs lose their mind. So every like 
20 minutes if somebody parked outside our our house the dogs would lose I was losing my mind I started just throwing I had like a hat I was using it to like swat them away from the windows I covered the windows with a blanket at one point oh my gosh they've gotten so bad at like just barking at everything and I'll be like and I yell at them to stop and they don't so it was great because my mom didn't have to sit out in the garage because we knew if somebody was here they are good alarm systems. My my parents' dogs are the exact same way. And fortunately, Argos doesn't really join in. Sometimes he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at home with my parents last week in Pennsylvania. And yep, anytime somebody comes to the door, you don't need to be nearby. Like my mom, she hosts, um, she, she has her own business where she hosts social workers for like trainings in the house. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, everyone, they've, they've all been tested. They're safe. They they've been doing this throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But so I I went downstairs into the basement where my mom is getting ready. And I was like, Hey, it looks like the first person has arrived. And she's like, don't worry. Nellie lets me know. (laughs) Thank you. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, Ollie never used to be an alarm dog, but I guess it is like nice to know that if someone did come in to murder me, he would get, Mm -hmm. he he would give, he'd let me know. He wouldn't do anything other than bark, but like, he let me know, you know, same. All right. Are you ready for my animal? I am always medium ready for these. I realize that I probably shouldn't take dramatic pause when we're, we have unreliable internet because then it just sounds like it's probably delayed or something happened. <laughs> yep. so I'll try to lessen my dramatic pauses. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll right. try to butt in less. Oh, no. I like it when you butt in. It adds <laughs> a little something, something, you know? All right. Okay. <laughs> tried to make that sip loud so you knew that I was drinking yeah that's why I, I was t- taking my time all right so I do have clues yes and ready. I thought of these at the end in case you are wondering okay thank you so we have three clues they help more and more as we go on so the first okay. clue is very general and it is that these animals live primarily in the forest canopy okay howler monkeys nope Okay. <laughs> I know that's like a very unhelpful clue, but that was kind of the point. Right, right. Are you ready for clue number two? Mm-hmm. They are lightly venomous. That's how I decided to, to describe it. So they like they're are lightly venomous. Yeah. Which I'll explain more later, but of they're course. technically venomous. Uh okay. Are you ready for clue number three? Sure. They have no limbs. Well, I mean, okay. It's got to be like an anaconda or something. Right? It is a kind of snake. Okay. It's I, I picked a genus of snake. So there's five of them okay. in this genus. Okay. Uh, not anaconda. Otherwise, you would have said so when I said it. <laughs> That's um, correct. So it's not them. They live high up in the trees. So anacondas are pretty big think yeah right that would be hard hanging out in the trees the venomous part i don't think helps at all so you can know um (laughs) you know what i don't know my snakes really well so i'm gonna guess that it's like a uh the green tree snake it 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 is not it is a it it, this is the most dramatic oh my god introduction (laughs) it is a flying snakes ah that's of course it is (laughs) <laughs> now that's why I get it. That's why they're up in the canopy. They don't have limbs. And 
I don't, I didn't know that they were venomous, but I was like, that will throw her or not be helpful. Um, but yeah, I'm doing the genus cry chrysopelia chrysopelia of course um or flying snakes or gliding snakes and there are five recognized species i did realize i think i don't think we've ever done a species of snake have we um you've just turned the question to me as my mouth is full of dorito i, I can um, hear that now i can't see it but i can hear it <laughs> i muted myself because i was like i'm about to crunch and i don't want her to have to hear this and then as soon as the chip got into my mouth you were like what do you think have we done a snake um maggie no right have i was going through because i had done i did a lot of mammals and then i just did a bird so i was like i gotta change it up and i was like i haven't done a reptile yet this oh no i did heal a monster i haven't done a snake and i was like i don't think we've ever done a snake so that's fantastic this is a a podcast for snake baby all right so uh the genus Chrysopelia. It belongs to the family Culubridae, which means nothing except that I like trying to pronounce the names. So like I said, there are five recognized species, and they're found in Southeast Asia, southernmost China, India, and Sri Lanka. Oh. So the first one, and the largest, is the golden tree snake, or the ornate flying snake. So one thing I learned is that these snakes come with different names. And I think it just uh, kind of depends maybe like a little bit where you find them or like, I guess scientists just like can't agree. Interesting. <laughs> so like I said, this one's the largest one. It reaches up to four feet in length. So it's like a little over a meter. It's a meter mm-hmm. and a third. 1.3 meters. There we go. Um, oh my God. <laughs> they're not, it's going great. They're not just gold, although they are called the golden tree snake. They can range from lime green to a pure yellow color. They, they change a lot. That's the same for all the tree snakes, that none of them apparently all look the same, depending on like where you are. Um, and then I decided that I was going to rank them on their gliding ability. Because ah, of course. It was, this one was, what did I, oh, it was, it's a scale of one to 10. This one was listed as, due to their size, their gliding ability is considered weak. So we're giving them a three out of 10 <laughs> for a flying snake. Because they are pretty big, so, like, they get points for that. But mm-hmm. if you can't fly, then, like, I mean, they can glide. But, so they have a three. All right, next is a paradise tree snake. So they're up to three feet in length. Ooh. So one meter. Um, I was just going to say, it's nice because, like, a meter stick and a yard stick are, like, the same. But in, in the old office Roughly, where Maggie yeah. and I used to work, there was a four-foot <laughs> stick. Which is perfect because it's a golden no tree snake's stick, but no one ever needs four feet exactly. Like, no. It's so useless. No one knew why we had that four foot stick. No. Why? Yeah. It, it's just where it came from. It came from Georgia, actually. It, it had like some Georgian carpentry business on it. Jesus. Yeah. But <laughs> now we know that it's needed in case you need to know the size of a golden tree snake. Mm-hmm. Um, But we're talking about paradise tree snakes, and they're only three feet. They're a normal meter in length. (laughs) So these guys have black bodies covered in green scales with clusters of red, orange, and yellow as well. And they kind of shape little flower petals along Mm. the back of their body. Basically, all of these snakes are really gorgeous. Um, Yeah. So definitely look them up. And they also, like, some of the paradise tree snakes have 
you know, red or orange. Some of them also have kind of green petals, um, but they're all really pretty, honestly. These guys are considered to have the best flying ability out of Mm. all of the flying tree snakes. Um, And so I'm giving them a 9 out of 10 because there's always room for improvement. (laughs) Next, we have the twin barred tree snake or the banded flying snake. So both are the Uh, same, I guess. (laughs) Can't decide. Banded banded flying? Did you say flying? Like (laughs) F-L-Y-I-N apostrophe? I may have, but there is a G in there. So so much for my consonant work. Consonant. Consonant. I do the same thing. I love Manchego cheese, but I always say Manchango, and there's only one N. Did I sound bougie when I said that? No. Okay. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it bougie. <laughs> it's definitely weird, though. Um, so the twin barred tree snake or the banded flying snake—they're the smallest of the flying snakes, reaching up mm-hmm. to two feet in length. So they're all between two and four feet in length. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. small range. Their body is black or gray, and it's covered in thick red and thin yellow bands. They can glide horizontally, but not as well as the paradise snake, which I said the paradise Superman in my notes. I don't know what kind of move oh that was gosh. in, but I guess I consider paradise tree snakes the Superman of the flying snakes. So I rated them a 5.9 because they're not quite as good, but like pretty good. Um, they're also very rare. There are two other kinds of flying snakes, but there's pretty much no information on them. There's the... Malukan flying snake and the Sri Lankan mm. flying snake. I gave both of them mm-hmm. fours because I forgot to grade them, so I just did it now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sound good? That sounds like a good, good round number. <laughs> right. So those are our different kinds of flying snakes or gliding snakes. Like I said in the beginning, they are, as I put it, they're lightly venomous. Um, so another way of saying mildly venomous. Yeah. But when like there's lists for countries of like venomous snakes to be worried about. They're mm-hmm. like not on it usually because okay. one, they're most mainly in the trees, so you're probably not going to see them. But they've never their venom has never been known to actually like kill a human or cause harm. Oh, okay. It sounded like you were going to say something. I I was, and I was trying to make a connection in my head, and then I did make it, but it wasn't a connection, so I just detoured around it and then didn't say anything. Then I called you out on it. Perfect. All right, so. <laughs> My next bullet point, they hunt primarily during the day. They are diurnal, so active during Mm. the day. They eat lizards, frogs, birds, and bats. Pretty typical, nothing unique there. Mm -hmm. Um, They spend almost all of their time in the trees, mostly high up in the canopy where they're gliding around. Um, Mm -hmm. And then on to what we're all here for. How do they fly slash glide? Yes. So I have created a step-by-step guide. Uh, that's just how I decided to take my notes. Okay. I will say it's very technical. It's like a little bit of physics. Um, so, uh, disclaimer, I wrote this at, in first person of like how to like how a person should do this. Don't I was just do gonna it. Say, is this a how-to guide? <laughs> <laughs> it is a how-to guide, but do not follow it. <laughs> Lots of it you can't because um, we have limbs and like not a, we're not snakes. We're not. So, I know oh that's sad. I just imagined you laying on the ground, just trying to pretend you're a snake and slither. Oh my around. god! Step one: mm-hmm. you're going to use your ridge scales along your belly to push against the bark of a tree and climb it up vertically. 
Okay. Step two, you're going to continue moving to the end of a branch until your tail dangles from the end of it. So you're... Uh, so am I facing outward, like off the branch, or am I facing back in towards the tree trunk? I, I think so. I will say if you ask too many questions, you'll be upset with the answers. <laughs> um, I think I'm already upset with the answer because All I just right. asked you an either or question and you said yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to be facing out. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Um, so your tail's dangling at the end. Step three, you're making, there's also lots of letters involved. Step three, you're making a J-shaped bend with your snake body, leaning mm -hmm. forward, selecting the level of inclination with your body. So like what kind of incline you're giving off. Mm. and you want to select your landing spot so you're facing <laughs> their they're facing the upper half of their body in an inclined position second half of your body back half it's on the branch mm -hmm. got it mm -hmm. yep you see why you shouldn't do this at home this sounds like they are olympic gymnasts yes getting ready for the vault exactly step four you're going to propel the lower half of your body up and away from the tree and quickly form an S shape. So we've gone from a J shape mm. to an S shape. Okay. Now step five, <laughs> you're going to suck in your abdomen. Isn't that all of a snake? <laughs> like, isn't all of a snake the abdomen? Like, where does the yeah. abdomen stop on a snake? <laughs> anyway. So the snake just makes itself two-dimensional. Yep. Well, that's the thing. So they, they are, they're sucking in their abdomen and then they flare out their ribs easy right oh. just flare out your ribs yeah and then i said so later it referred to a c shape and i think this is the c shape like kind of concave like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the okay. c shape in the way that a, that a frisbee is a c shape i get yeah, it that i i get it but that was a that was a stretch. I, yeah. I have been, as you've been describing, making all of the different positions. I Perfect. also feel kind of like a, what are those downhill ski slopers? The ski jump, like kind of feel like that. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I find that this how-to guide is best learned when acting it out as you describe. Perfect. Excellent. So this C shape, or what I think is a C shape, um, mm -hmm where they suck in their abdomen, flare out their ribs. So this turns the body into a, quote, pseudo-concave wing and makes it twice its width, end quote. Wow. So basically, it's making it like a – they used Frisbee a lot in all of these explanations. Oh. Um, it's making it like a little like a little Frisbee, you know, <laughs> and making it wider. Step six – yes, we're already at step six. Continue a serpentine motion of lateral undulation parallel – to the ground. I wrote group, but I meant ground. So that's like, think of like a traditional snake motion of like, yeah, wiggling. Making lots of S's, you know, wiggling mm -hmm. in the air. It's, it's very helpful. So it turns out the C shape, the flattening of the abdomen, which I thought were the same thing, but this note tells me otherwise, um, and the lateral undulation are key to staying airborne. So hmm. Some physics. We're done with our step-by-step -step guide, by the way. Okay. Um, okay. I can relax. But... I can bring in my rib cage. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Bring that rib cage in. Come on back. Um, so some physics with a question mark because mm, I never took <laughs> physics. So the concavity, though, that they form with their body causes an increased air pressure at the center of, of their body, which creates lift and allows frisbees to fly. Thus is the same thing that happens with snakes is that they make 
this 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 frisbee like shape um mm-hmm. and it helps them glide technically they are gliding snakes and not flying snakes because right. unless there's a strong updraft they don't gain <laughs> altitude so it's not considered <laughs> flying right but they actually can glide better than flying squirrels can which I was just thinking about that as you described saying like they're mm-hmm. gliding, they're not actually flying. I was thinking, oh, of the sugar glider slash how people say, oh, the flying squirrel. Yeah. Sugar glider is the flying squirrel of Australia. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all I had to say. But yeah, so they're better than actually any uh, mammalian gliders. Wow. I mean, obviously, they're not better than the mammalian flyers, which are the bats. Bats. Uh, but yeah, so the question is, why do they do this? And the answer is, as always, we're not entirely sure. Probably to escape predators. Probably because it's easier to move tree to tree than going all the way down mm-hmm, to the forest mm-hmm. floor and switching trees. <laughs> um, and also probably because it helps them hunt. Um, if you know, if there's a, a lizard you want on the tree next door, you can just fly over there rather than going over. <laughs> down and back up it'd be like taking an elevator to like change buildings i don't know um but yeah so that's uh our that concludes our how do they fly slash glide i hope you learned a lot yeah yeah uh now in terms of their conservation honestly there wasn't a lot about it hmm. but these guys are of a lot of interest there's actually it was funny i was when i was looking for information this researcher named jake socha Soka, Socha, um, from Virginia Tech is doing a lot of research about them and published a paper this past June in Nature where at Virginia Tech they have this big room called like the cube. It's like this big black box kind of room um, oh. and they're doing high-tech motion capture video to figure out how snakes, these flying snakes glide, which is super awesome that like they're, I think it'll just increase awareness of these snakes and the, hopefully gain conservation for them again not a lot's known about them in the wild because they live so Mm -hmm. high up in the trees Mm -hmm. they only live in these select areas so we don't know but one thing that they discovered is don't quote me directly but there's a really cool npr article that you can go and quote directly um (laughs) is that for a long time they thought that the serpentine motion that they make in the air when they're gliding was like useless and it turns out it's actually really effective and helpful in helping them continue gliding which is cool also, I just love like motion capture because I always think of like Andy Circus as Gollum in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and so like that on snakes is just absolutely fantastic. So now I want to see Andy Circus pretend to be a snake. <laughs> yes. Andy Circus, take our how-to guide, my how-to guide, it's foolproof and be a snake. Um, no, don't do that. You're too precious for this world. Uh, but like I said, not a lot's known about their wild status, but honestly, I'm guessing it's probably not great because of deforestation. They live high up in trees and the areas that I said that they're located, you know, Southeast Asia, southernmost China, India, Sri Lanka, you know, a lot of, of logging goes on, loss of habitat and all that. And these snakes aren't in trees, like they don't have anywhere else to be. Um, but so that's my flying snake summary. Uh, sources include NPR, Wikipedia, National Geographic, The New York Times, CNN, and USA Today. I highly recommend looking into the Virginia Tech research going on. There's lots of cool mm-hmm. videos showing the motion capture and just the snakes moving in like super slow motion through the air, which is really cool. And they probably do 
a much better way of describing it than I do on half a glass of red wine. Woo! That's uh, flying snakes for you and our first snakes of the of the podcast. That's amazing. Woo. I'm glad you enjoyed Thank it. Thank you for sharing. Or at least it sounds like you enjoyed it. I did. I did. I knew nothing about flying snakes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited though for what you have in store. So um, I'm not sure how my clues are going to be. I, I definitely dropped the ball a little bit with the clue giving, but I, I do, completely unrelated to my animal, want to start with a joke. Great. Excellent. <laughs> um, why don't seagulls fly over the bay? Because then they'd be bagels. Yes. <laughs> so good. Love a good gull joke and love a good bagel reference. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, I'm going to give you the Latin name first and see okay. how you do. And then I'm going to give you a, a pretty good, easy clue if, if you don't get it from the Latin name. Right. So it is Mobula by Rostris. By Rostris. Mobula. Mobula by rostris. They move and they have two noses. Yeah, you're, you're I mean they have two things um right around the, the their face. Are you doing a type of rhino? No. Okay. I felt I felt attacked. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um they have two things. Wait. I don't know. So uh your easy clue then. Oh, this is a charismatic sing-songy teacher in an underwater Pixar classic. Something on Finding Nemo. Charismatic sing-songy teacher. Isn't it? Isn't it a sea turtle? No. What else is a teacher? Oh wait, it was a stingray. Yeah. So I'm doing the giant manta ray. Wait, so wait, they have, oh, like the two little protuberances? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like double nose. I'm like, what animal has two noses? No, so uh, Ashley is referring to these fin-like appendages at the front of giant manta rays' mouths, and it helps them to collect food, but we'll get into that in a minute. (gasps) I'm so excited. I hope you know. Oh, good, good. I I thought this bit more unique than a couple of the animals I've done previously. It's so funny. So at the very beginning of the year, when we could actually like see people, we mm-hmm. had at work these, um, oh my God, the virtual reality experiences where like we'd take these goggles to kids and they could watch things that happened. And there were like six or seven different experiences. And I always told people to do the manta ray one because I thought it was so cool because you're like underwater with manta rays. So I am super pumped for this. Ah, this sounds so great. So I, um, as I said, chose to do the giant manta ray. Um, Mobula by rostris, by meaning two and rostris meaning like nose-ish thing. They were renamed in 2017, actually, after DNA testing showed that they are more closely related to rays of a different genus. So they went from manta to mobula in their genus taxonomy. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Manta means blanket or cloak in Spanish. And if you're unfamiliar with a manta ray, this is actually a really appropriate naming because they look like a giant diamond in the sky or in the sky, dear diamonds in the sky. Like I just channeled Rihanna. Um, <laughs> no, they look like a big diamond shape in the ocean. Mm-hmm. They're the largest of the ray species, but like they're, they're black or steely blue or brown on top. And then usually like bottom on, on, or on their bottom, they're white. Oh my gosh. Now I'm having trouble with words. You got this. <sighs> so they do have an element of counter shading to them. So just so you can get the visual, the colors of them. But I said that they are they large, the largest of the ray species. This mm-hmm. is insane, guys. Their wingspan, so their, their fins... Do you have your arms out to the side right now? I, showing. I actually showing. do. I I do, <laughs> Ashley. I do. I know it. Maggie and I had to turn our videos off for the internet, but I'm like, I know exactly what she's doing. <laughs> you know me too well. So their wingspan is up to seven meters. What? That's t- 23 feet. 100% thought you were going to say seven feet. And I was like, mm-hmm, that's taller than me. But no, they're like... Three of me. They're three of they're me. They're three times. They're three of you. That's insane. If you lay down on the floor right now and just put <gasps> yourself one on top of the other, three of you. I think one would fit in my parents' guest room. Maybe. Isn't that huge? That's gigantic. Uh, and then in terms of weight, like how heavy are they? They weigh up to 3,000 kilograms or 6,600 pounds. That's crazy. How much? In my notes, I uh-huh. wrote, holy fuck. I think that's accurate. I agree with your notes. That's huge. It is. I think it is. It's so interesting because it's something I think we often. It's hard, like with like species in the in the water. Like when you see pictures of them, probably there's not much around them to like really give them a size comparison, and that's like a lot of things in the ocean. But like yeah. things in the ocean have like because of the weightlessness of being in water and like buoyancy and whatever can see how technical Mm -hmm. I'm getting things can get so huge like they don't have to deal with gravity as much as the rest of us so they're like "Mm, I'm just gonna get like really big so again because I think this is just so cool and like I've never seen a giant manta ray so I don't know how big they get to put it into perspective for y'all a manta ray can grow up to be as large as a giraffe is tall oh fuck or if you want to walk outside in your neighborhood, they can get to about two thirds as tall as a telephone pole. Damn. Is that not insane? That is insane. Also, I'm thinking how many telephone poles are in my suburb? I don't know that there's a lot, but I want to go and find one now. They're, Ashley, they're everywhere. They're going to be everywhere. Just go outside and look for them. But I, I know, but like, I don't remember the last, the, anyway, continue. They're hidden <laughs> from, they're, we, uh, they blend into the, have you, ever, have you ever seen when like they try to hide telephone poles as like pine trees but they're yes. really fucking obvious and it looks like a lego pine tree i'm like stop <laughs> who do you take me for anyway uh, oh my gosh yes i know exactly what you mean a little bit more about their shape they have more definition to their shape than other rays people might be familiar with so when you first my, my clue obviously was referring to Mr. Ray in Finding Nemo, <laughs> and he's a, he's a stingray. So he's not 
a manta ray. He is different. His mouth is at a different place and stingrays are more circular kind of, whereas manta rays are like, like I said, more of that diamond shape. They, they distinctly have more wing like features. And then they have these tiny fins that we mentioned earlier that are close to their mouths. And these fins can be rolled up when they're swimming or they can be unfurled to help sift food into their gaping mouths when they are feeding. I like to think of like my arms as like something, you know, equally where like if I have my arms out wide, I can grab more groceries or more food to funnel into my mouth. That's kind of how I I envisioned it. Like I, I just envision like, the cartoons you watch when you're a kid and like somebody really hungry is just gobbling up food straight from the table. That's, that's what a manta ray does. Fantastic. (laughs) They have mostly smooth skin with the occasional tubercle, uh, which is Latin for lump or just a warty outgrowth. (laughs) They can live up to 40 years. And where are they found? They are widespread in tropical and subtropical ocean waters around the globe. They do migrate, but that's just, it's not like they're migrating necessarily to warmer and cooler waters. It's more they're looking for food, which is typically, I I would assume, why most animals migrate because they're looking for better food, not necessarily better temperatures. So Mm -hmm. anyway, biology. Um, their their behavior when they're out at sea in the open ocean, they swim purposefully in a straight line while closer to shore, it will swim idly around. Oh, <laughs> I loved that um, idly around description because I thought like they just just kind of have no purpose. They're just going for a stroll when they're close. It's literally like me and Target. I'm like, oh, well, I'm here. So might as well just like... <laughs> walk around the store with no purpose at all. That's kind of me when I'm at work and I just cannot and do not want to work. I'm like, I'm just going to go walk around the the building and hope that people think I look busy. And Listen, that that's, your, look. that's your productive thinking time. That's what that is. Exactly. Um, very important. So that might in fact be the manta rays productive thinking time. They're, just, they're like, they just want to look busy. They're like, I don't want anyone to bother me. I'm just going <laughs> like to around. Something. Exactly. So what are they migrating around for? Food, as I mentioned, about a third of their diet is filter feeding. So kind of mm. like the whale shark and a mm. lot of other large uh, animals in the ocean. They're eating the tiniest things in the ocean. That's like zooplankton, krill, etc. The other two thirds of their diet are small fish that they will go out into the open ocean or um, like pelagic, pelagic fish, uh, small fish out in the open ocean. Yeah. Anyway, they can eat up to 13% of their body weight at a go. And the way that they eat is kind of cool. They'll corral prey into a circle or a tight group so that it can then just feed on everything in one big gulp, uh, kind of like uh, humpback whales do. Very nice. Yeah. I know you can't see this, Maggie, but my mom just brought me in a plate of a plate of appetizers. Oh my god, I love it. It's just adorable. I was like, thank God Maggie can't see this, but I was like, also Maggie needs to know. <laughs> but I will thank let you her continue. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. One of these days I just want your mom to bring me a plate of food. That would be fantastic. Oh, could you imagine? She just like pops out of nowhere. She apparated. <gasps> Amazing. So 
Uh, now that I'm I'm down at their eating and feeding habits, I found the word of these fins. They're called cephalic fins, the two on their front face. That's what they use to channel prey into their mouth. Cephalic. New word. Very cool. So manta rays like to keep things tidy. They will visit a quote-unquote cleaning station at a coral reef where fish will clean the parasites and loose skin off of them. Mm, I hope you were in the middle of eating some apples. Luckily, they're a little too hot right now and I already burned my mouth, but I feel like that would have been, that's a really missed opportunity for like Finding Nemo to have like, well, I guess they do it in like the tank where like the things come in and clean the Mm -hmm. fish. Yeah. But truly, I can only picture that as an animation. (laughs) A cleaning station because it's eating off the loose skin. That, that's what just grosses me out but I guess I did just take a bite so perfect that you are still going on this I knew if I kept talking I'd get it on to sexy time so sexual maturity I thought this was so interesting it doesn't happen at a specific age necessarily but rather a specific size Hmm. for males it's it's when they get to about four meters and then females around five meters in uh length or like diameter very cool when a female is quote unquote receptive and ready for sexy time, the males will swim behind her in a train like form. Nice. <laughs> as as it should be. The male that she chooses uh, will then bite onto one of her pectoral fins and their nope. bellies will touch. <laughs> no. <laughs> their their bellies uh, will touch and then these are my notes. Then some words I don't understand happen and they do this for a few minutes and then they go on their way. (laughs) That sounds like a five-year-old was taking your notes, Maggie. (laughs) I don't know what these words are, but then it happens. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Beautiful. Mothers will will have one to two pups and they do give live births. Not pups? Um, They're not golfing? But if you have have two, they're putt-putt. the gestation is about 12 to 13 months, and the pup will be about 1.4 meters when it's born. That's four feet. That is a four-foot-long stick. Perfect. It's the size of a golden tree snake. Yes. Which is, like, huge for an adult tree snake to be the same size as this pup. Yeah, that is really. That's a, I'm glad that we're able to put things into context. Agreed. And then as for predators, they have few natural predators. Sharks and dolphins might go after them, but they're really just so big that they're they're kind of doing their own thing. They're like a mola mola in that nobody's really trying to go after them. Some will have bite marks on their fins because of like an investigative chomp from somebody, but most of them fare well. Uh, they fare the well. They fare. They're all right. They're doing okay. Now I have a little bit of fun facts, quiz time, trivia time for you. So are you saying that I stop eating? Yes. Okay. Or you don't have to. I never stop eating That's fair. When, we're, when we're recording. So, you know, people can hear you chew this time. I'm ready. Okay. So giant manta rays are often found out in the open ocean, and they spend most of their time swimming around 10 meters below the surface, which is about 33 feet. How deep can they dive? Would you like the answer in feet or meters? I will take either. That doesn't really help because I don't actually know. Let's say 
300 meters. Keep going up. 600 meters. Keep going up. Uh, now meters sound stupid. A uh, thousand meters. Yes. Third time's a charm. They can dive up to 3,280 feet or 1,000 meters, which if you run track and field, that's, uh, you know, just a quarter mile, a quarter uh, yeah, it's a quarter mile south of a mile, right? Is that what I'm trying to say? Oh my God. A quarter mile south of a mile? <laughs> it's a quarter yeah. mile less. A quarter mile less than a mile. So it's three quarters of a mile? Wow, that was it. That was it. <laughs> Math's not our strong suit, but that's okay. We all know this by now. <laughs> okay, next. How often do they give birth? If they have that long gestation period, get that's kind of a hint. Every three years. Yep. So every two to three years. So they are not very prolific breeders, which does play a role in their population status, which I'll, I'll get into after trivia. When they are feeding, mm -hmm. this, I, I don't know why. I'm just so sorry. This was not as a quiz. I did this one as true and false. <laughs> Perfect. We love it when someone throws in a true or false question. Consistency was clearly not my strong suit. Okay. And I was trying to make it a question, but I just, I can't right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> true or false. When they're feeding, they're prone to barrel rolls. True. Correct. Um, they yes. will do, they will do somersaults or barrel rolls to maximize food intake. Is that how you do it? Is that what I've been missing out on to maximize my food intake? Just got to roll around. That's what I'm going to do for dinner after these appetizers. Uh, I'm just going to roll down the stairs, barrel rolling. Oh, my God. And then it's just going to, everything is going to, like, torpedo into your mouth. That's it's it. going to be great. Oh, my God. And then last one, also true or false, giant manta rays have one of the largest brains. I want to say true because I want it to be nice. <laughs> well, it was kind of a trick question. They do have one of the largest brain to mass ratios for cold blooded mm -hmm. fish. Gotcha. That being said, they exhibit signs of self awareness. So they can <gasps> recognize themselves in a mirror. Ah! They exercise memory. They can learn. And they've been known to create mental maps of their surroundings. Very cool. Yeah. So as for their conservation, they are, they are IUCN listed as vulnerable. Their threats are primarily just, uh, they're caught as bycatch in artisanal mm. and commercial fishing nets. And they are, you know, sometimes caught in Asian waters for their meat or for like their fins, kind of like similar to shark fin soup. But in 2014, Indonesia, which was home to the largest manta ray fishery in the world, banned that fishing and trade, saying that keeping them alive for tourism was far more valuable because people like to swim with the gentle giants. Oh, awesome. So that is definitely a good positive story. And if you want to learn more, the, uh, the U.S.'s National uh, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, has a few cool resources on how you can help, include reporting sightings, reducing ocean trash, following safe handling and release guidelines in the event that mm -hmm. you're fishing and you catch one. 
And then they also work with Sailors for the Sea, an ocean conservation organization that engages with the world's boating community. They've created a bunch of resources for kids. And then lastly, if you want to go do your own research and follow up on these guys and you want to learn more about their awesome feeding habits because they do have these very large mouths that I didn't totally get into, I, I intentionally didn't because I think you know, people should get excited about animals and then maybe want to go learn their own about the, about them. The New York Times wrote an article called The Marvelous Filters in the Manta Ray's Mouth. So go check it out in the New York Times. And it talks all about how their mouths actually work, which are fascinating because their mouth is essentially like the whole f- width of their body. So that is the giant manta ray. And thanks to my sources, Oceana, Noah, Nat Geo, a little bit of Wikipedia, and the New York Times. Uh, so cool. Woo. Very cool. Awesome. Oh, my God. I love rays and i love manta rays oh so cool well done absolutely thank you yay well i think that this this episode in particular was a good reminder that though we are animal enthusiasts we're not scientists so don't cite us anywhere except for when you are drinking with friends (laughs) you can tag us on social that's fine you could do that too we just want you to get excited about animals like we are but thank you for joining us on this episode. If you like our podcast, check out our Instagram at the watering hole pod and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening right now and give us a review because it will help us reach new fans and get them excited as well. You can also visit us online at thewateringholepod.com. Tune in next time when we learn more about animals, their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. Bad, good? <laughs> Always good to ask. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>